0: Hey guys, and welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 98. We are rounding the corner on 100 episodes now, finally. I'm your host, Walter, as always, and I'm joined today by Azil. Hey guys, and girls. And Griffith. Yo. Thank you for including other genders as well. That's no problem.
1: And also uh, non binary genders and. Uh, oh my God. Agendered people and uh, other kins as well. It's become your thing now. Love to you all. Yes. I am I like that. I am woke, as the kids say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're running a corner on hundred episodes. Azil's running a corner on being inclusionary. Yeah. This is great. Which I am definitely known for among you know the world. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's been a while since we recorded, obviously. Part of that is due to uh I think I've said it before and many of us have said it before, and when Berserk's not in publication, particularly if we're talking about a four to six month break. My mind tends to just go into other places, and when Berserk is not on my brain, I tend to... It has to. Yeah. I have to do other things. And so, if Berserk's not on my brain, it's, it's, that's like the fuel for me recording podcasts. I don't know about you guys, but if it's not in my head, I don't have like the fire in me to talk about it a lot. So,
1: Well, you know, I've got like a, a brand in my brain, you know? Mm. I don't know where I got that concept from. But. That is a great analogy.
0: <laughs> Someone should write a fanfic about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the worst inside joke ever. Yeah, it's like the
0: the two people in the world that are going to get that joke from Walter's 2000 era fanfic. Fantastic. I need to mail that to a self-addressed envelope so no one steals my fanfic idea. Thanks a lot. All right, yeah. Welcome guys. Uh so our topic today is Zod. And I was I really had to make sure we had not done this already cause we I,
2: haven't done Zod already, I think we we did like three on well, Scully or something.
0: Yeah. We did uh, three on Skull Knight, three on Griffith, and we never did a Guts one because that doesn't really make a lot of sense, right? We did one on Casca, we did one on the Band of People, we did one on the Falcons. We did not do one on Zod, because honestly, it's because similar to Guts, Zod comes up a lot. Right. And just looking back at what we've, what we've said before, we, we've sun, we did some really great stuff on both the Volume 5 and the Volume 17 rereads. So anything we're going to say today... We're just going to have to repeat some stuff by nature. But if you want to drill into those specific volume appearances, I think we did some really good stuff in those. No, no joke. It's really good. So what podcast
1: episodes were these?
0: Who the fuck knows? (laughs) Um, You could probably just Google it. Uh, Nice preparations there, Walter. (laughs) I mean, I have them on my phone. I think Mm -hmm. it's like 43 and 57. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I listened to them the other day just to make sure. But they were good stuff. As I was preparing for this uh, for this episode, I was thinking this kind of conversation can kind of go in one or two ways. Like One, you could say you know, a character study of Zod begins and ends with, that guy really likes to fight. <laughs> he would like to fight a lot. He wants to fight the strongest people, the strongest or what matter. And then that's it's his character motivation. It kind of is the seed for everything else. And that's all there is to it. But obviously, there's also the other way to approach Zod, which is there's a hell of a lot to say about him, particularly if you start chronologically and talk about all the ins and outs of all his character developments. Like, the way I think about him is, in terms of the bad guys in the story, he's second only to Griffith in terms of the amount of character development Mm -hmm. the era has given him. He's really just heaped it on him throughout the series, and that's turned him into a really fascinating character, and honestly one of the most iconic characters. Yeah. Maybe for, Mm -mm. I mean... I don't want to say all of anime because that's not the case, but certainly for Berserk, Zada has a very distinctive place in the series, mm. uh, even visually. So I
2: was uh, thinking about him uh, before the podcast, obviously, and I was thinking, like, this may not literally be true, but in a weird way, it's like he's everyone's second favorite character. Like, I think he has universal approval. Like, there's nobody that's like, ah, I'm not really that interested in him or because, you know, maybe some people aren't into Skull Knight because mm. you know they're not into the mystery or whatever, and he doesn't appear that often. But I think everyone universally agrees, like, oh yeah, Zod's you know badass.
1: Yeah, and he's also been there for a long time. Yeah, I mean, first appearance in volume five, and he's still going strong. You know, and
2: because he has yeah these memorable battles with guts, in addition to you know interesting dialogue, <laughs> you know revealing dialogue. He's a mm-hmm. he's he's this. I mean, he's I don't know. He's kind of a paradox too because he just want. He just wants to fight. He does his own thing. He's not even necessarily like, you know, the type to go to the uh, the eclipse ceremony and feast, you know, or debase himself like an yeah. apostle like <clears throat> Wilde. But at the same time, he's also their most important agent who, you know, is kind of like kind of turning the wheels even then, you know, by when he attacks Wilde, when he does various things to help Griffith. Uh, Mm -hmm. at the Battle of Doldry, you know, and to this point where now he's serving him. It's it's very – he's a very interesting character precisely because Miura put some contrasting motivations in there or seemingly contrasting ones.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things that really sets him apart from other apostles is that we don't really know – his motivations and he takes various actions throughout the series where you know sometimes they may even look conflicting in what his goals are and i feel like he's one of the characters who's gotten more complex as uh, time has gone by you know whereas originally yeah you could say well he's just this very strong guy who loves to fight and that's about the it the ultimate but, monster yeah well which is true but the thing is these days like You know, what's going on with him? He knows more things than he lets on. You don't really know, you know, and of course we're going to talk about it uh, throughout the the podcast, but I feel like he's gotten more complex and and, uh, that's not the end of it. He's still got a, a very big role to play in the series and not just as a guy, uh, for Gus to fight. Yeah, even just in terms of Zod's association with the major events in the series, he's there for
0: almost all of the big ones, of course. He's there for the eclipse. He is the first apostle that Guts encounters. That's a significant thing. And he is the first apostle that Griffith kind of, you know, turns is the wrong word, but convinces to come to his side. He's the first at the incarnation ceremony among the apostles. You know, he's he's a key character. He's I mean, he's kind of like the avatar of the apostles. He's the apostle you think about when you think about apostles anyway.
2: But strangely, he's not representative of them. <laughs> oh, totally.
1: Yeah. He's, he's, to me, the ultimate apostle, pretty much. He's like the peak of what an apostle can be. Uh, but yeah, like Griff says, he's not. He's not representative of their more, you know, uh how to say, gross instincts and, you know, debasing stuff. But as far as, you know, what an apostle can be, he's like the ultimate guy and the ultimate warrior. I mean, I, I think when you you consider what Zod represents his Berserk, you know, he's the final challenge for Guts. He's a guy Guts has been fighting against and, you know, losing each time, even though he gets better. But, you know, he's that guy. He's that, you know, that's what he represents to me. He's and and the same way that when you look at how he relates to other apostles, they all defer to him pretty much. He's, you know, that guy, the top dog. Yeah, and
0: you know, it, Berserk is a story about what happens when humans become monsters. And so Zod is the character that Miura has chosen to embody one side of that story, which is when, you know, the warrior tale of that version. Mm -hmm. What happens when a warrior tosses away everything in the pursuit of strength? So naturally, that's a story that resonates pretty well with one of the main characters, Guts, who has many other qualities, but that pursuit is still close to his heart. That is still a part of who he is. Yeah, definitely. And as you said, uh, Zeal, throughout the story, it's interesting that Zod has served as kind of a benchmark for Guts' progress as a warrior. And also, of course, naturally, as the story has progressed, it's become more uh, Zod is represents like one potential destination for the path that Guts is on and taking his journey of revenge, you know, which is, of course, surrendering to the beast, surrendering to those that side of him that would just pursue and becoming less human and more bestial.
1: To say it plainly, in a way, Zod is like an apostle version of Guts. I mean, without getting into any speculative territory, but Zod can be seen as what would happen if a warrior like Guts became an apostle. Not necessarily Guts himself, but, you know, like the same kind of guy, you know, strong fighter, someone's very... Of course, we don't know who Zod... We don't know who he was before. Maybe he was a woman. You know, who, who knows? But old, old boy <laughs> or an old man like wild. But in any case, yeah, he it can see... Uh, you know, it can be seen as a Kind of a mirror of guts, you know, the episode version of him or that kind of thing. There's there's a lot of ways to interpret this.
2: Yeah, I think he's always uh, paralleled him from the beginning. People have thought of him that way and just, you know, or at least very shortly after he came into the series, that became, you know, the association that they were kind of mere images of each other. And that's only been uh, kind of bolstered, you know, even in the dialogue, the connection between the two of them, you know, this idea that Mm -hmm. uh, Zod... uh, Zod admires Guts for, you know, his fighting ability and Guts certainly respects, you know, Zod's abilities and also the fact that he's, you know, sort of uh, an unfair, you know, competitor for him to test himself against because Zod's not only extremely skilled but obviously has uh, the apostle power that Guts lacks. And so there's always that, mm-hmm. that question, you know, if Guts were an apostle, like, you know, what would, what would he be like then, you know, because, you know, Zod's sort of the, the peak.
0: Right. So the, that's a good broad overview of Zod as a character. Of course, there's a lot more to get into. I, I wanted to start with kind of his design, the way he looks, the way that Miura chose to create this character. What, what, what would evoke these qualities that he wants in this character? And, you know, there's, of course, two forms of Zod as all apostles. But uh, the apostle form <laughs> is the one that I always think about. And that's an interesting one, one huh. of the more unique, probably the most unique apostle Forms uh, because it's not really uh, demonic,
1: I guess. I don't know if he's a must unique. I mean, you've got the chicken apostle, <laughs> and all these. Those are weird guys, <laughs> to be honest. Sorry, I guess I mean unique among the apostles because
0: a lot of them are slimy and membranous. and yeah. he's very uh sort of uh he's well, he's he's yeah. uh,
2: he's also simple. He doesn't have a lot going yeah. on. Like even yeah. even ones that are like you know wild kind of is very ape like. But he's also got like all these crazy mouths and eyeballs and shit on him. Whereas Zod, yeah. is, Zod looks very much just like you know a classical minotaur or a lion, you know, an animal. You know, he doesn't look like mm-hmm. uh, something too too crazy. Very classical in his design.
1: Yeah, he's simple and efficient, basically.
2: What's interesting that uh, that Walter said he thinks of uh, the apostle form first, because I actually always think of Zod in his human form when I think of him hmm. like as a character. I never think of the apostle form for some reason. I mean, I I eventually do, but it's just like when I think of Zod, I I think of uh, I think the new sort of default image I have of him is like leaning up against that tree while the other apostles are all talking about him, like, oh, he's the great warrior poet, you know, basically in in hushed awe of Zod. Do you mean thirty-two
0: and Sony's yeah. little scene with him,
2: where you know they're oh, okay. you know. They're all like whispering about him, a, you know and
0: <laughs> well they're they're talking about to it. Yeah. I it's a good question. I never thought about it, but like to me, my immediate image of Zod, and I said it was the apostle form, but really it's him sitting on the pile of corpses in seventeen. Like introspective Zod is right. what I always think about, personally.
1: I, I think I think the two like the two forms are all linked. And um, you know, like his apostle form to me, what defines it is the uh, ferociousness of it. You know, he's like He's pretty much like a tiger, you know, very, you know, like I always picture him biting and clawing, you know, through guys. You know, there's that great shot of him in Volume 5, which is one of my favorites in the series where he just bites on a corpse. Yeah, he bites on a body, you know, and it's just it's just amazing, and uh, and yeah, and I think even in his human form, you know, he looks very brutal. You know, I mean, he's, if I had to find one word to define him, it's brutal. He's just big, this big hunk of muscles, and uh, you know, wearing just furs. No real, you know, not a lot of armor, and he's just his guy. You, you, you can tell he's, he's ready. got a
2: face like a like a truck, basically, <laughs> like just so yeah. wide and
1: flat. Yeah, and, and yeah, he's got these, you know, like fangs jutting out even in his uniform. So, yeah, I think the two are very linked to me, and, uh, and yeah, I, I think like he's savage. That, that's the kind of character he is. Uh, like the kind of uh, prototypical barbarian, you know, ready to just give him an axe and he, he's going to, you know, just cut down an army. That, that's the kind of guy he is. I think that in terms of
0: like the different qualities of animals that are kind of grafted onto his apostle form, you know, naturally we have the lion or tiger. I tend to think of it more of a lion than a tiger personally. Well, and he, you have he's, the- got,
1: he's got no mane. That's why I said tiger. But, sure. But yeah, and, sure. you know, I mean, Sonia calls him the black lion volume uh, 32. So that fits. Right. He has those horns, which
0: are very unique. I'm not sure what the most related to the animal kingdom is. I tend to think of a
1: bull. (laughs) Yeah, actually, (laughs) it's funny because uh, you're doing that because I told you, uh, I told earlier that I was actually checking out what kind of horns? Like, what kind of animal the horns would relate to? And I actually couldn't couldn't find any. Like, it's not quite a bull. It's not quite a ram. It's neither. It's not it's quite really neither. yeah. It's not quite yeah. a goat. It's above it. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. His feet and horns are you know from that animal family, whereas uh, his face and his you know hands or paws, I guess, are from like the big cat family. It's just you know like. I find it interesting how Mirab mash things up because people will say, oh, well, Zad, you know, he's just a minotaur. Yeah. Yeah, when you actually look at what a minotaur is, that really isn't like that at all, and that's you know without mentioning that he's got bat wings and and a tail, which is also I actually checked the tail so as well. And I feel like he's kind of like a kangaroo's tail. Oh wow! So that's
2: yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's a it's a weird tail that he has a lot of control over and can use as a weapon. Yeah, exactly. So it's not, yeah, it's not like an idle tail.
1: Like he's almost prehensile. You know, he can you know move
2: it around. If if there was a tree big enough, he could probably hang from it. <laughs> yeah,
1: so like a marsupial. I'm no no despite all of this mix and match it's still very cohesive to me efficient you know describes it it's just Mm -hmm. you know it just works and that's what also you know separates him from like the basic apostle guys who are like you said all slimy i've got eyes everywhere and stuff like they're all
2: they're all eyes and penises
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're right all of zod's features kind of serve a
0: function in that is to me like the ultimate predator is what i think of like he has all these offensive capabilities he has as we said you know horns uh, the tail the claws and wings and all of those we've seen him use in combat to varying Mm -hmm. degrees whether it's to block arrows or slash or you know whatever it is he's a purely offensive creature
1: yeah and you know the the idea of keeping it simple and you know efficient is also something i feel like uh has transferred to the other big apostles uh, that are introduced later you know like a lacus Grimbelt, even rakshas and they're very you know like rakshas is just his cloak and you know grumbel is you know like this crystal dragon and locus is a metallic you know centaur but they all have this you know like clean design and pure
0: I, They're pure pure ideas yeah exactly represented in apostle forms mm-hmm. yeah for sure
1: and i feel like you know i mean we've always something that's often debated is uh how do people get the apostle form you know like how do you choose and i always feel like it's You know, just like everybody, like every person is different. They've got different features and uh, different personalities. So so are apostles. And, uh, yeah, I feel like it also goes with who they were before, you know.
0: Sure. I think it's always been a reflection of the person that they were and really like how – maybe this is just elaborating too much, but it's like how focused they were or single-minded they were and their form is a reflection of that. Mm-hmm.
2: Or if they were a, just a wretched creature, then that's what they're going to turn yeah, into,
0: basically. The truth of the matter is that Miura never specifies exactly. We kind of have to make up that definition for ourselves and see what stacks up. So we talked a lot about its apostle form. Azil, you alluded, alluded to it earlier, but it's interesting. I've always thought it was neat that the armor that Zod always shows up in. It's always a composite of usually of many different things kind of thrown together. Yeah. he's very pragmatic about what he chooses to bring along with him. He takes what he likes. Usually it always feels to me like trophies from his previous skills. Like, <laughs> yeah. ah, yeah, I remember that guy. He got a great belt. Now it's mine, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, the most specifics we get about that is in volume 22, when uh, Guts breaks his sword, he refers to it as a Kushan horse slaying sword that he had taken from mm-hmm. obviously the Kushan invaders back then. But other than that, you get the impression he just takes what he wants because obviously he can. So yeah, that's pretty cool.
2: Where was he keeping that sword when him and Griffith were flying? Now that's a <laughs> that's an interesting question. That's a yeah, great no, question. I'm,
0: oh yeah, how they got there? Hmm.
2: Yeah, they were. He was in his apostle form before they got there. He's got to keep it under his armpit or something. It's <laughs> just sort of subtly. Oh, that's a good question. Anyway.
0: It's, it's, it's his <laughs> ruckus-sized rux- pouch he keeps under his wing there. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last thing I want to say about the design is uh, he is nude when we first see him in Volume 5, which uh, it's not that it bothers me, guys. I just think it's an interesting way to lift the veil on your de facto unoro numero paso. apostle is um, showing him in the, in the buff.
2: You know what? It's interesting. I mean, I have different associations with this. For one, for one part of it, a lot of people they saw in the anime he starts. He's wearing like some just really generic pants and boots. Oh, I that's think. right. I forgot about <laughs> so that. So a lot of people probably think of his first, you know, appearance that way. But uh, yeah, the the nude thing I think is interesting for a couple of reasons. Just again, I think it gets back to that sort of purity and efficiency and savagery that uh, Az was talking about. Like he, you know. He doesn't need to wear clothes. It's like there's really not any need. And, you know, maybe he had just uh, been transformed a little bit earlier. But I think it's also right, yeah. it's unsettling for Guts. You know, he's coming in and fighting this, you know, this crazy nude man. It's, you know, it's weird for the audience, you know, what's up with this guy.
0: I think it immediately sets makes him different looking because it's like, is this someone that doesn't need armor? Is this a pile of bodies?
2: It immediately separates him from society. He's, you know, he's not a part. Yeah. He, he's not wearing clothes because he just, he's not part of the social order either. I mean, it's not yeah, that right. deep immediately, but it becomes uh, clear.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think my first, honestly, my first guess has always been that, yeah, well, you know, he transformed, so he lost his armor, and he just picked up that sword afterwards. But that says that's why he was naked. But yeah, like you say, as as far as uh Muras thought, maybe into you know making him that way during the, his introduction is yeah, it, it's yeah, like you said, it sets him apart as a like monstrous, you know, something something just odd, you know, Eldritch, not 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 normal and, and that goes you know on with the fight and, and stuff and this is not to supersede anything that we said but I'm just going to throw
0: this out there I think Mira might have gotten the idea from Terminator uh, how intimidating Arnold is when he first appears you know when he's this huge buff guy in the news yeah no, <laughs> uh, I had, uh, uh, I had
2: thought of that too at the outset of that and forgot to mention it but yeah it, uh, uh, that was one of the associations I had it reminds me of Terminator when you just see Arnold like you know he gets teleported yeah. in and he just is like curled up in a ball and then he stands up. And yeah, he's just a mountain of muscle. And yeah, it's very similar.
1: Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I never thought about it, but yeah, it's definitely uh, a very good point. And it's not like it's
0: out of the blue because Mira has said many times before yeah. that 80s action heroes movies were influential.
1: To- yeah, definitely. And, you know, I mean, when I said, you know, I was speaking earlier about barbarians and stuff as the inspiration for that. Conan's a barbarian, you know, as that kind of just brute power. You know, I mean, I always got this picture of him punching a camel. You know, it's just
0: <laughs> just <this laughs> He kind, would punch a camel. Just this he? kind
1: of dumb stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the kind of stuff that I would do. I mean, it's a very different portrayal, but you know, as a kind of guy that's just strong. You know, he's just very, mm-hmm. very strong, and you know, he gets his way. Like you know, you block him, he just cuts in half whatever is in <laughs> front of him.
2: Or, you know, just grabs your head and smashes it, even if you're one of his subordinates.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much. He's like, you don't listen? Well, you're not going to listen to anything anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah, let me let me send a message to the rest of the group.
0: <laughs> That's actually a perfect segue into like this next section, which is his personality or who he is or why he acts the way he does. Despite his power, you don't see him normally abusing it. You know, Zod's not the kind of person to say well, I want to be lord of this castle town now because I can and ruling over humans like that. He has the power. That's not how he chooses to use it. You know, that's not the function of his power.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, to go back to what we said about how his design was simple, I think his personality is also not, I wouldn't say simple as in, you know, like one dimensional, but he's very focused, I would say, in that he has few interests. And by that, I mean that all he cares about is fighting. So I think that goes together with the rest of his character. You know, people will sometimes say, "Oh, he's he's noble or he's honorable," and I, I don't think so. I don't think he's noble or honorable per se. You know, but you can tell he has kind of a sort uh, a code a kind of conduct. You know, of his own. Yep,
0: a code for sure. Yeah, yeah
1: and and. Like, he doesn't take pleasure in just killing helpless people, and he he isn't, like, the raping and pillaging type. But at the same time, you know, on the battlefield, he'll just, you know, butcher these guys, and he doesn't care. You know, I mean, I, and it's unfair of him to, because he's vastly more powerful than them, but he'll just... So, I think he's got... He's quite ferocious, and, you know, like I said earlier, I think the word brutal... Kind of suits him well, even for his personality. Uh, but yeah, he's not gratuitously, you know, cruel or violent or anything like that. I
2: think it's. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a funny thing that like he'll get labeled as sort of this noble, you know, warrior. And I mean, you know, in the one sense he may be, but like Gut says, you know, he's a monster, and it's not really fair, as you point out. But, you know, it's just that he doesn't like to pull the wings off flies. You know, he's not into torturing people or anything like that. I mean, it's a, that's, he'd almost be disdainful of it just because it's a waste of his time. He would just, you know, crush them immediately. That's more his, uh, yeah. his style. And, and I like that, unlike Grumbelt,
1: you know, who likes to play the a knight and stuff, Zad doesn't pretend, you know. He, does, he doesn't yeah. care. He doesn't pretend. He's like, let's fight. And if he gets hard enough, he'll transform and be mm-hmm. like, okay, let's really fight now. He does live by a kind of code. It's a warrior's code. It's not a knight's code.
0: Like it's related, but it's different because to hit to Zod, you know, battles are what's sacred and he wants the world to be able to step up to his level. And when it doesn't, he's like, well, fuck it. You know, I have this power. I'm going to use it. And, you know, there's a couple instances of that where guts beats best sim in volume five. You know, it's, it's skin of his teeth, but he managed to get a great hit in and Zod's like, all right. You can clearly step up, so let's do it. Transforms, and that's pretty much the end of the fight. That's not necessarily a chivalrous thing to do. It's like bringing out a rocket launcher and a sword fight. <laughs> but he's like, you know, this is the kind of fight I'm looking for. Let's see if you can step up to that. If you can't, oh well, you weren't of worth to me right. anyway.
1: Yeah, Alex, like that he's excited.
2: You know, like wh- oh yeah, when <laughs> yeah. Gus when
1: Gus breaks his sword, he's like, oh boy, I've been waiting for this three hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: yeah. I-, I feel like that's also that's also why he's so you know, he doesn't care. Like you said, it's not fair. He'll like, you know, there's shots of him like cutting down five guys at once, you know, because, but cause he's looking, he doesn't take it easy because he's looking for, you know, that guts maybe, you know, like that one out there yeah. that actually could, you know, stand up to him even for a second. And it probably has the rationale that if you step on the battlefield, you know, you've already uh, forfeited your life essentially. Yeah. So, you know, if you can't stand up to mm-hmm. him, that's that's just too bad because he's he's as strong as he is and you know whoever you know wants to try and take him on is welcome and so yeah. guts is sort of the, the only potential we have out there other than skull knight who is also uh questionable in his abilities you know obviously not a normal person yeah
1: you know i um i mean we we should talk about that because like the one motivation we know that he had i don't know if he still has it but at least he had it until he started to serve Griffiths was to, yeah, find the strongest fighters around, you know, find someone who could stand up to him. And I think that scene in uh, volume 17 is obviously very important because he, when he's reflecting on it, he's saying that like no one, no one has ever been able to, you know, step up to measure to what he wanted. And it's like, even apostles, he's faced many apostles and, you know, he couldn't get satisfaction out of it. And like, there's only the Skull Knight. That's the one. And then he's like, "Oh yeah, that's true." There's also that guy, is a branded swordsman. And then everything changes when the Falcon appears to him. But uh, yeah, I find that interesting that that's what he was looking for. Well, I've gone,
0: I've, I've vacillated that that particular scene ever since the, I started reading the series, like almost 20 years ago. I've I vacillated about the meaning of that scene with Zod and like my current interpretation is that there's no way he was looking for a specific thing at that point. I can't read that scene now and think he was waiting for one particular person that he knew about that was going to come. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's very clear that he was, he was testing the waters among a large pool of candidates, basically just to see, to fight who, yeah. someone who's strong. Like <laughs> I, I imagine, imagine guts if he never encountered an apostle and never encountered Griffith or Skull Knight, he would have gotten bored, too, because of the candidates of humans who can, who can face him. No one can touch Guts. The other
2: thing that sort of ties them together, you know, the another comparison where it's like, yeah, you know, Zod was essentially, it seemed like on some extended warrior's journey, mm-hmm. not unlike the many one we see Guts go on. So, it, yeah, it is sort of like, yeah. what if Guts just went on that forever and was, you know, ageless, he'd turn into Zod, you know, essentially, just sort yeah. of unbeatable warrior.
0: If if there was no opponents that could stand up yeah. to him, it would have been
1: a yeah, pretty boring life. Yeah, you know, you end up taking yeah. out an
2: army and sitting on top of them, you know, going, ah, yeah. you know, I'm bored, you know, the wine has lost its taste out here.
1: What's interesting is that we, we don't know why. So, like you said, it might be because he, he was bored, It's an an explanation, but all we know is that he was looking for strong people, strong fighters, but we don't really know why set him on that quest, you know, and I I find that Interesting.
2: That's that's a thing we don't know. It's like why? What prompted this slice? So life? usually with apostles, they're on something happens to them where they're in some sort of danger or they're even dying. You know, and we see them transform. You know, they're in a bad way. Mm-hmm. It would be funny to find out that Zod, rather than like being defeated in combat and using you know transforming, you know, using a behirit, if he was just bored, then he was like the ultimate warrior and just depressed yeah. and sad. You know, he couldn't find anyone to to beat him but he had this new world opened up before his eyes and he decided to to venture forth into it basically that's kind of where i'm at like i
0: I imagine him having reached basically the pinnacle of what a human can attain and maybe he got a taste or a glimpse of a bigger world right maybe he encountered skull knight for example that's where my head goes since those two are so closely tied Mm -hmm. it would make sense if if that was maybe
2: an apostle you know basically defeated him or something, and that's where sure. he, you yeah. know, maybe he became you know obsessed with. It. He might not have been too different from guts at all. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: a good idea. And either in in either case, it seems to me that after he'd risen to the top, he got a taste of a, a larger world, and he wanted to be a part of it, and and so that's what his the next you know avenue of his warrior's quest was. Uh, but yeah I, I don't know that's where my head is now
1: or maybe continue fighting you know he was like i can't you know i can't die like this i want yeah he to- could have just gotten old yeah i want to become stronger still yeah the old warrior is also interesting the idea is that his body had failed him and he couldn't measure up anymore and he wanted oh, yeah. he wanted more you know i want more i want to to experience all there is and there's, there's a lot of Options. Just picturing Ed- Edgemaster in my head as
0: Zod's <laughs> human form from Skull Caliber. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, we talked a lot about you know why Zod feels different from the Apostles, but he always feels a little lonely. He's usually by himself. Uh, there's a loneliness to his personality. It's almost like he, uh, he's a loner. A desolation to h- who he is. Uh, it's the life of a man, of course, who threw everything away uh, for the pursuit of combat. Yeah. You don't see him tossing back pints of blood with the apostles, hanging out in the trees, waiting for a stray deer to come by. He's usually <laughs> alone, looking pensive and well, introspective, usually. That's what usually. makes
2: such an interesting sort of second to Griffith in general, is that he seems like he's ill-suited for that sort of thing, except that he's so formidable and powerful, it's like, wow, Zod is your your lead guy wow damn that's a good get you know it's like he's pretty much the best you know <laughs> the most powerful figure you can put in there exactly because he's not yeah. typically some sort of servile sort of character that would that you would think would be in that role of being like the bodyguard or even you know in some ways a servant
1: yeah you know one wrinkle that interesting in uh, Zaz's personality is that like you said he's, he's a, a loner for most of the series and even these days you know, uh, as part of the army, he's always kind of by himself, you know, he's not very. But despite all that and that free spirit aspect where he wouldn't just go to the eclipse to partake and, you know, he still became, you know, a Griffith's minion like the other apostles. So, you know, despite his ulterior motives, I feel like he's also someone who knows his place and he accepts his fate and his role in the story you know like he knows he's an apostle he's not denying it you know i feel like that's a for example a difference between him and ganishka you know ganishka was very strong as well in a different way and he refused you know of course he was set up to do so and such but the point is that he's like he knows what he is and he's not going against it. he's like yeah i'm a monster i know
2: this brings us to, uh, we touched on it a little bit, you know, the dream he had with Griffith. Did that fulfill, like, and sort of end that part of his life where he's looking for that competition? Because, you know, Griffith essentially was it. Griffith defeated him. There's a couple in- of interpretations of that scene. Either, like, you know, Griffith showed him either a vision, but then we see the, the horn is actually cut off at the end, even though Zod hasn't transformed. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, you know, it changed him permanently and marked him you know, quite literally, you know, does, did Griffith basically showed him just such overwhelming power that like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the one that would, you know, defeat you. Don't even think about it, you know, so now that part of your life is over and you're going to serve me or was he promising him that fight down the line and, you know, even dying gloriously or, you know, I don't know. I think he gave it to
1: him. You know, for any apostle, the idea of fighting a member of the God Hand would be like heresy. And Ganishka was the only one who did it for real. And again, it's a complex situation. But the other, like Locus, was astounded by the gall of Ganishka to even try to do that. And and Zod, you know, like what I like is that Griffiths came by himself and, you know, offered it to God, to Zod himself. And, and Zod was gladly accepted it. And, and what's great is that, yeah, he got you know, annihilated, you know, immediately. And I feel like that's also – that was a way for Griffiths to to be like, like what you've been looking for, this is it. It doesn't exist like you're, you're nothing, you know, next to me. So come and serve me. In terms of strength, yeah. Like whenever we see that scene
0: just before of Zod considering all of his possible opponents and being dissatisfied with them, the god hand weren't on the menu at that point. You know, that wasn't yeah. a possibility for him because of course the incarnation ceremony is a one thousand year event, it's very likely he had no idea that that was even an option. So to have a god hand member in the flesh, that suddenly that could change the stakes for Zod, and that is consistent with of course that entire sequence of the manga, which is about setting the, state, the stage for Griffith or Spemto becoming incarnated. So that makes yeah. sense, to right? Me.
2: And there's lots of strange motives associated with all that, you know, Roxas in his head. Comment with Griffith, you know, does, does Zod eventually yeah. want to fight? You know, once we get all this settled, how about a match? You know, just something you know, like that. You know, yeah. So, well, he, where he tries to fight Femto and gets, you know, turned into goo. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there is one little wrinkle in in terms of Zod's quest, or not Zod's uh, association with Griffith being very straightforward. In that Griffith showed him that he was the ultimate strong one, and that was that's the end of the story. That's the end of your quest. It's just a small wrinkle when. Guts does ask Zod, you know, why are you with Griffith on the Hill of Swords? He doesn't get an answer. He just says, Zod basically says, you know, words are spoiling the moment. You know, words are impure. Let's fight. Mm-hmm. Which he you know, always struck me as a little suspicious. Like if it, <laughs> if it was so simple, he could just say so. Like this is the strong one. I serve yeah. him. Yeah, he demurs. He, they, they kind of avoid the <laughs> he's question. He's embarrassed. Yeah, they avoid <laughs> the question. Yeah, that's it's just a small wrinkle.
1: Like I said earlier, I you know Zod comes across to me as having a a lot of ulterior motives. And, uh, you know, like, the more we get in the series, like, over time, the the bigger they get. And, you know, that includes Volume 27. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I don't, like, I don't follow the interpretations that Zod was looking for the strongest person in order to serve that person, you know. I I don't think that's what he was going for. I think Griffith's gave it, gave him, like, Femto gave him what he wanted or what he was looking for as a way to also to humble him and be like, you know, don't even think, like, you are a servant and I am a master and that's how it's going to be. And Zod uh, and went along with it also because, you know, like it could even simply be because interesting things are going to happen around Griffiths, you know. That yeah. could be as, as simple as that. But I don't think he's like...
2: I mean, it's almost – it's self-explanatory in the simplicity. He was bored and then uh, Griffith gave him a purpose, you know, and a focus. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So,
0: you yeah, know, exactly, Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. That's good enough, honestly.
1: Now, there's just one last thing uh, we forgot to mention is that uh, Zod is old, you know. He doesn't come across, um, you know, in the English translation, but uh, he speaks – kind of like an old man and i mean he is old you know he's a uh, you know mm-hmm. several centuries years plus yeah and uh when, when he speaks you know he speaks like a an old guy so th- that's you know that's interesting like each character has a way to speak and it shows some stuff and yeah Zod speaks like someone who's the age he is which is old yeah
0: it's one of those reasons i really wish i knew you know fluent japanese because so you have this old talking giant lion monster talking to a skeleton warrior that speaks like he's the king. Like all these dialectical <laughs> nuances to these characters that certainly don't usually come across in an English translation that would come across very clearly in Japanese. Mm-hmm. That's just one of those things. You put those two together and I feel like I'm missing
1: yeah. a part yeah. of the story. I mean, to be honest, even, like, even people like us who've been reading it and analyzing it for years, there's tons of stuff we, we must miss. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, it's just... Because we don't understand the nuances. You know, it's beyond even, like, the meaning of, of a word in the dictionary or the meanings, several meanings, so there's, like, connotations, ways it's used in, in Japan that are immediately clear to someone that's from there. But for from, from an outsider, even if he speaks the language, he, he wouldn't understand unless, you know, he's been living there for 20 years. So there's a lot of right. stuff we miss. So that's unfortunate. But, you know, there's no way around it. There's uh, one last thing I wanted to
0: say about Zod in relation to his uh, relationship with Griffith, and that is, of course, that among all the apostles, as far as we know, he is the only one that is aware of Griffith's relationship or connection with the boy,
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: which gives him a special meaning or placement among the apostles, if that is indeed a secret, which I have to imagine that it is.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's what I uh, was talking about. I mean, I hinted about when I said volume 27 is that so, we, we, oh, so, you know... yeah 28. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah. so Thank you. Um, yeah, so when, uh, when they're on the beach and, um, and the boy first appears, you know, Murad is that page, you know, uh, of guts, you know, remarking that Zod's there, we see his profile and stuff, and, you know, that kind of stuff, and when you combine that to everything Zod has seen, to you know, there's a lot of panels of him in the series, like when Mule first come to see Griffiths and stuff, you see just Zod with his arms crossed, and he's just, you know, checking out stuff, and... You know when you see when you combine that with uh, his encounter with guts, he's in bouncer mode. Yeah, yeah, he's in bouncer mode, and you know then we combine that with his encounter with guts in Britannis, and every other thing, every other time he's appeared in the series, he's dialogue with the Skull Knights. you know, it you know gives a picture of a character who knows a lot of stuff, like more than he lets on. Well, you know
2: what's interesting is that he's like well, like you were saying, more than he lets on. He's sort of the ultimate insider. But he also doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Like that's why he's perfect yeah. to know everything. Cause it's like he, he <laughs> yeah, he knows all, but he also doesn't care. He's not gonna, you know, tell anybody or use it to any advantage. Yeah, but that's the thing, you know, like for example the Ritanis, he he spurs guts, you
1: know, like when you know the other apostles uh, wanna finish him, he's like he doesn't allow it. So he's that kind of guy, you know, he's not that's what makes him interesting is that he's not really a straight-up villain, you know. He's a villain. He seems to relish being, you know, like a monster and stuff. But at the same time, he's got his own motivation. Even as Griffith's servant, he still sometimes takes action that, you know, you know, are not explainable by just, you know, the immediate logic of the situation. So, right. uh, you know, that's another thing that makes him very interesting, I think.
2: Well, he basically laid it out for guts there where he's like, you know... Hey, you know, I'll let you walk away. But if you're gonna insist on opposing, you know, my master right now, then I don't really have a choice. But I mean, Zod knows yeah. that there, you know, that this opposition exists. You know, so it's not. So he's being, you know, he's doing him a kindness.
1: Yeah, he he was doing a favor. I mean, he was honestly he was sparing him. He would have.
2: He was yeah, like he was, he was You could see it as paying him back. You know, for what uh, for their partnership there, for basically helping him defeat uh, Ganishka. I think mm-hmm. you know the fact that it was in the aftermath of that helps, but also he likes him. He spared him before. He spared him yeah. after the uh, the eclipse ceremony, and uh, yeah, and had he helped him in doldray, Yeah, well, I mean, he was also helping uh, Griffith there.
1: Oh well, uh, you know, he could have let's let's you know put it in another way. He could have let Guts be killed, and he could have thrown his sword and slashed. Uh, boscon in half you know that's true so it's you know it all depends on and he couldn't have you know i mean zod is not like a how to say an oracle you know he doesn't see the future so you know there's a lot of actions he takes you're like okay what he was you know like killing wild clearly that helped griffiths but in that scene throwing the sword you know I, i would have been like you know he was, he was helping Guts. He was throwing well, a weapon to Guts.
2: Wilde is, you know, basically shouting conspiracy, consp- you know, hand conspiracy while Zod, and Zod does the yeah, whole, like, true. I'm just doing whatever I want. Once again, he doesn't answer the question. You know, and it's like, what's yeah. your motive mm. for doing this? It's like, ah, you know, I'm just doing it. I just do what I want.
0: <laughs> it was weird when Wilde died, he turned into Alex Jones at the end. That was really
2: <laughs> strange.
1: <laughs> what, what I like is that uh, Wilde said, well, I can do what I want. He said, told me if I wanted. So he's like, yeah, sure, same here. And he just, you know, splits <laughs> him, him in half. Yeah. <laughs> we've,
0: we've talked about those scenes so much. Like, a, we always sum it up in the following, and that is that he he didn't want to see someone like Guts who has potential to be thrown away in such a shitty, unworthy fight. You know, mm-hmm. it's, that makes complete sense with Zod's character. Yeah. That he wouldn't want to spoil that potential on such an unworthy way to die. But, you know, in, in Bosco's case, unarmed or disarmed, uh, when only because of a technicality is weapon breaking. That's not the best way for a warrior like Guts yeah. to go. And, and the same with Wild, where Zod Guts had put up a great fight, <laughs> and Wild was just being a dick.
1: Yeah, and you know, I uh, what's interesting is that Zod was there in the first place. He was observing the the battle. Yeah, and that's well, I think it's because he knew that there was special significance
0: to yeah. the Falcons at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. He knew, he knew Griffiths was the chosen one, so it makes sense he was there. But still, you know, I mean, he's a guy. I wouldn't compare him to Skull Knight in that regard but he, he's he been there he's been observing, he knows things and he's got his own motivations, like beyond just serving Griffiths, I think it's not I'm i am going into speculation territory here, but I, I think it's not you know, impossible in the future for Zod to do something that wouldn't like directly serve the gods and god's, uh interests, you know, sure yeah, it would be weird
0: to me if he was a valiant, you know, what's the word, servant to the end. Yeah, that wouldn't seem consistent with with Zod to me. Like to me, Zod's got to be independent at the very yeah, end. Yeah, he to me.
1: he's he's kind of a free spirit, you know. I mean, I yeah. I, and I think you know I will show eventually.
2: What's interesting is I I agree with you guys, but I also feel like it has to it has to somehow be some gray area because I also don't think he would outwardly you know go against or betray Griffith just because he swore an by yeah. the same token he swore an oath. So he'll stick to that, but maybe at some point, especially if he feels like, you know, he maybe that oath has been betrayed or, you know, it's not what he thought it was, then, yeah, I can see him doing something to to either, you know, help or spare guts, you know, in a similar fashion as we've seen before.
1: You know, I think he'll stick to... I mean, I think he'll stick to what he does, which is fight. You know, I think he'll eventually fight Guts and you know, it's going to be the ultimate fight. But, yeah, maybe he won't, you know, do some things that he could have done that would have, you know, impeded them or whatever. But, yeah, I think, you know, beyond the old Griffiths also, like, the things that definitely I'm sure will not happen is, uh, things, you know, uh, like trying to fight fight Femto, you know, like going against him or anything yeah. like that.
2: It's things are going to change when... uh when Femto crushes Skull Knight into a bag of bones, and, and, Zod, just, <laughs> and Zod just sort of stares, you know. No! Like, and then <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, he'll just fall to his knees and sort of, you know, exhale. <laughs> Cry.
0: He was the only one that could hold me. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, my God. That's a good transition into my favorite uh, pair of lovers in the series, and that is, of course, Skull Knight. Oh boy! And Zod. Yeah. Who are alternately kind of like those uh, two old guys in the Muppets, and also <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> kind like Burt and Ernie. Jesus Christ. they're the
2: ultimate frenemies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So two details about this relationship with Skull Knight. Of course, uh, we talked earlier about knowing Japanese being very helpful and understanding the nuance of these characters. In Volume 26, when uh, Zod is talking to Skull Knight, he talks, he refers to Skull Knight as uh, shukateki, which is sworn enemy, but the furigana or the pronunciation is tomo or friend. So he's, you know, the English translation for that is rival. Doesn't quite get across the nuance there yeah. that they are enemies but also friends. Yeah, it's
1: more like old enemy slash friend, you know, so.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. So the, these two were closely intertwined in my head. I mean, and probably everybody's a says, dear
2: enemy. Yeah.
1: yeah. I love, go ahead. No, it's, no, they've got some history that we don't know of. So that's, that's, that's for sure, you know. Definitely. That's like the starting point is we don't know quite what what it is but they've got some history and uh and yeah obviously like the skull knights uh an excellent fighter so he's about to hold his own against Zad. uh and yeah they're rivals but it's just like i feel like there's no real animosity between them so it's not like a bitter rivalry it's more like Sk- the skull knight doesn't care and zad really cares about fighting you know you know capable people so he's always looking to fight him That's, you know, I think that can, you know, that's a good way to sum up their relationship uh, when they are first introduced in the series. Like, for example, the Eclipse. Zod, you know, says he's only there because he knew the Skull Knight would show up and he wants to fight him.
2: Yeah, it's like he's sort of following around Griffith and these ideas. I mean, he might just be doing it all the time because he's like, I know Skull Knight's going to show up (laughs) eventually. I know he's
1: going to show up. I'm going to be waiting there. And so, and yeah, the Skull Knight's like, he's just trying to get past him as fast as possible. It's just that kind of relationship. It's, it's hard to say what more there is between them I mean, without going into wide speculation. Well,
0: there are two characters in the series that have very mysterious pasts or like you want to know more about them. So you put them both on the same page and they still have a similar related background. It's like a power couple. Like you want to know more about both of them and they're both so cool on screen. It's just a pretty amazing combination yeah. to make. Mm-hmm. And
2: plus they both – I mean they – each of them also they're an interesting parallel. We've talked about the parallels with uh with Guts and Zod, but uh mm-hmm. you know, they also parallel together seemingly Guts and Griffith in a way, and also Skull Knight parallels mm-hmm. Guts in different ways. But you know, we don't know that because we don't know the histories, you know, so that that mystery makes it all very uh interesting.
0: Yeah. In terms of like their they're fighting, you know, Rickard actually weighs in, and I'm not saying wh- where the 11-year-old, 13-year-old Rickard is the, the best judge, but he actually says Well, he that, was a missionary, so. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, but,
2: you know, Rickard, he's seen, you know, he saw, like, that fight. He saw Guts versus Zod, too. Mm-hmm. He actually is, like, probably maybe the best fight analyst in the series, yeah. you know, yeah. from experience.
1: He's like a spor- sports commentator, yeah. you know.
0: <laughs> to get to the point, Rickard has said that Skull Knight fought better than Zod when they were nah, there. Obviously, the we all
1: know the Skull Knight is the best. <laughs> <laughs> he's just the best. He's a top one. But, um, he's going to
0: fuck think- up Femto, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> They're both great warriors, of course, but it, it always felt to me, and this is just my reading of it, you know, that for Skull Knight, you know, his technique and his power as a warrior was like probably incidental to his goal. Whereas, you know, kind of like for Guts, where he's just on a journey and then he has, he has goals and dreams as well. But for Zod... He's the guy over there in the corner, like binging weight gain and <laughs> running on, out of on, veins for his creatine. steroids. <laughs> he's, he's doing it all. He's just really, really trying to get strong. Well, the—I
2: mean—the ultimate insult would be if Skull Knight, you know, were to cut him down at the end, you know, and basically, you know, it, while Zod's like, "You were my greatest opponent," and be like. You just weren't that good. <laughs> I just rides away.
1: You were the. You are the. You were my ultimate yeah. failure. He's the seventh best. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I
2: could have done that at any time.
1: <laughs> Sorry,
2: I just got no no
1: time no time left for this bullshit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. You said that there's no animosity between them, and I, I wholeheartedly agree. Although, like that formula kind of came into peril in volume twenty six when Zod is the one that held Skull Knight back from protecting Flora. And of course, there's lots of other things happening there. One being that Flora had already de- had already determined that she was going to die there. And she was you know set on that so that they could escape and all that. So there's conflicting factors there. However, I'm, in analyzing Skull Knight and, and Zod's relationship, that'd be kind of a turning point to me if, you know, this big fat guy got in the way of me protecting my friend and she died in a fire because of that. I, I wouldn't be cool with that personally. That would change my relationship with that person.
2: Yeah, that's true. I think it's kind of the same relationship, though, because of the way they've opposed each other, and it's just sort of – that's part of the – the game Hmm. i mean yeah you know they you know like skull knight already knows zod is that person that's going to oppose him going to save his friend in a fire just because that's the way it is and they even converse about it you know again with they still have banter afterwards where zod is like it's not like you to go chasing after a woman during a fight and you know skull knight basically you know says well i guess we both have different motives you know this time Mm -hmm, so uh yeah, so they—it's interesting. I don't know that it changed it, or if maybe that already was the—the the dynamic is understood between the two of them.
1: White also shows that Zod again is not like some kind of you know white knight or yeah. whatever. He just—he doesn't care.
2: You know, he doesn't care. And the Skull Knights, in, in a weird way, I—I I don't think Skull Knight blames him for a, you know he just sort of knows that's what Zod's gonna do. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, when I mean when I think about the Skull Knight, you know,
1: I always think of a very cold person. You yeah. know, like he's not dead inside, but yeah, pretty much, pretty much anyway. Well, so it's the last thing she says to Skull Knight
0: at the time. The Flora says to him that she hopes that yeah. there's still some human left in him.
1: Yeah. So I think you know, but yeah, it's it's just the kind of things I would do. He does. He doesn't care. You know, it's just he was told she's gotta die. So you know. We'll do it. They clearly share some kind of past. Of course,
0: the outline for that is very vague, although it gets a little more defined as the series goes on. You know, when they first encounter each other in volume 12, you basically have nothing to go on other than they are two strong. You know, warriors – but, uh, you know, we learn a little bit more. The The biggest reveal is, of course, that Zod recognizes the Berserk armor when he first sees it in Volume 26, and he has that exchange with Skull Knight. The most revealing exchange about their relationships, at saying that, do you intend for Guts to walk the same path into hell as you did? So that that, give, that puts him on a timeline.
2: He either knew him before or he... You know, he met him when he either you know when he was wearing that armor or before, and when he put it on, so he knows he knows what happened. He know he at least knows the story, whether he was uh, there firsthand to witness yeah. it. <clears throat> yeah, and it's not something that Skull Knight would tell him, so he had to some way experience it. Oh yeah, that's a yeah. firsthand
0: thing. You know, we know Skull Knight's a pretty cryptic right. dude. You know, we've barely we barely gotten anything so, out worst of him. worst
2: case so. scenario. He met him while he was wearing, or you know, latest case scenario, like Scully was in that armor and. You know, died in it, and then came back as the Skull Knight and Zod bore witness to that. But did he know him even earlier?
1: Eh, he might just have been told the story. You know, I mean, they were uh, some... they
2: were basically guts and Griff. Come on, zero point one. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> Let's just throw it out there. <laughs> eh.
0: I don't think of the two as as being that heated of a relationship.
2: Doesn't seem like it. It seems more like it's uh, it's born out of their. I don't know, like like we were saying, right, the rivalry.
0: No. There are a couple dates that are thrown at us about Zod in Volume Five and beyond. You know, there's there's three big ones. It's been 50 years since Zod had uh, survived combat that long with somebody when he faced Guts. Uh, we learn from Judo that Zod has been haunting battlefields for about a hundred years, and then of course Zod keeps using the year 300, saying three. It's been 300 years in his you know 300 years of slaughter, 300 years of wandering battlefield in Volume 17. 300 seems to be the cap for how long Zod has been around. I've not seen a year bigger than that. So that makes sense. What's interesting about that is it gives us a little bit of a time frame. We knew that he had the Berserk armor back in, you know, within 300 years. Skull Knight was still wearing that. Another really small detail about the exchange in volume 26 is that Zod is surprised when he shows up at Flora's, you know, mansion and to see Skull Knight and Guts there. He says, whoever would have thought I would have encountered you two in a place like this. So he must not have known, or it's likely he did not know, that Skull Knight and Flora had a relationship. It puts Zod in a very unique hole in Skull Knight's very full of holes past, and that is post-Flora, pre-bone armor.
1: Eh, Given that uh, friends of Skull Knight are very old, you know, and supposedly going back way farther than 300 years old, I don't think it's possible he would have been wearing the Bezak's armor at that time, because he would have been, like, too old uh, to be alive. Five years ago, I would have agreed with you, but I think
0: the fact that there is the the way that time dilates differently and on the island totally changes our perception of what hmm. the ins and outs of times were. You could have been sleeping for a bit and emerging to still wearing the berserk armor yeah. 300 years ago. No, yeah. could be, I guess. Yeah, why not? In any case, I, I always wonder about how things end up with it. And we've talked about it before, but... Would it seem more appropriate if Guts is the one that kills Zod or a Skull Knight given their past? As we said. No, it's
1: Guts. I agree. It's definitely going to be Guts. It's the only one that
0: makes sense to me as well. Um, which I guess is kind of a lame transition into our one of our final segments here, is <laughs> the one we've been talking around for a long time, and that is Zod's association with guts. I wanted to start this off by very clearly saying what that relationship is because Sonya does that for us in volume 32 his father she no no <laughs> she's his father he's his father hence the spiky hair guys a genetic tree dark
2: spiky hair and big muscles <laughs> and th- that's th- right. big swords. It's genetic
0: yeah uh, Sonya says that guts is Zod's uh, companion or friendly <laughs> opponent is the kanji that's used uh, she also says of guts that he's the one that Zod admires so it's it's very clear from the start not from the start you know by volume 32 all these implications that have been happening throughout the series are laid pretty clear
2: i just like to imagine sonya looking at like zod's like trapper keeper and like there's a doodle of guts you know on there you know <laughs> like so <laughs> just infatuated He's so cool.
0: I do wonder though: is uh, is it merely respect for a fellow warrior, or is it something more? Because there's no question to me personally that Zod sees a little bit of himself in Guts.
2: I think he sees a better version of himself. I hope he does. I hope (laughs) he sees the truth.
0: (laughs) That Guts on his own has risen to that much power, whereas Zod has been, you know, roiding up.
2: You know, I I heard the disapproving sound of Az over there. No, it's just lay it out.
1: It's it's hard to. I mean, it's hard to me to like uh, think from those perspective. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's right, kind of I'm
2: I'm giving him traits he may not have.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I if I were to speak like in general in the series, uh, to me, it's very clear that he's the ultimate rival to Guts, and that their final fight will probably like, one of the last in the series, and, like, even though it probably won't be the very last one, because it would be, you know, Femto, uh, I'm most certain it's gonna be one of the toughest ones in terms of pure fighting skills, you know, because you know, I don't know how the fight will go, you know, against Femto Griffiths, but it's probably not gonna be a sword fight, you know, whereas I feel like Zod Guts is gonna truly be a warrior's fight, you know, sword versus Klaus and Horn or whatever, and, um, I think
2: uh, Femto has to be a group effort. Has to be what? Oh, a group effort. Oh, yeah. Whereas yeah. Zod will be the, yeah, the you one know, otherwise on it's ones, a... you know, the final battle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I didn't
1: want to go there, but I mean, I, I don't think Femto is going to be just like Gus versus Femto or anything like that. Seems it's going to be more complicated. Uh, but yeah, yeah. G- you know, Zod has got to be Guts versus Zod. And, um, and yeah, so... And you know, I mean, like we said earlier, I think Zad is interested in guts in a way that's not unlike uh, how, uh, like, an old master would look at a prom- promising young student. You know, like, mm, yeah, you know, he feels like sometimes he's even, you know, been grooming him to become a better fighter. And I mean, might be a bit cheesy, but I wouldn't mind a protege. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a resolution where you know Zad basically wants Gus to be the one who can finally kill him in a fight or, or something like that, you know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like there, there could be some, uh, some good stuff between them still. So, well, yeah.
2: Uh, I, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything you said. The only complication there is how do you resolve then? I mean, because we're looking big picture, Zod, the end of the series, his place in it. How do you resolve the relationship with Skull Knight? Because we saw in the last battle – it was actually Guts versus, you know, Grunbeld or just someone else in Skull Knight Zod.
1: I'm not sure I see the conflict. I don't think Zod and the Skull Knight need to have another fight. It's uh, for the simple reasons that the Skull Knight doesn't would care.
2: you? Would you accept uh, Skull Knight and Guts versus Zod simultaneously? <laughs> <laughs> no that would
1: be, be unfair that would be absolutely lame no but you know
2: like the skull knight he's never hidden
1: that his target uh is a uh, god hand you know he's after in a strange
2: way they're after the same opponent
1: poor zod he's after the members of the god hand he wants to cut the head of the snake zod's just second string for both of them
2: skull knight's busy giving a uh, void a lobotomy while all this is going on. That's your theory? <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty much. Or You know, I mean, at least he's trying. You know, it didn't go so well with Femto, so I'm you not know, sure it's going to go like well, a, very well with Void. Well, with well Void
0: either. I was going to say, Void's already he, had a pretty bad lobotomy.
1: Yeah,
2: well, I mean... Well, he got some terrible uh, brain-itis in the operation. <laughs> terrible swelling. <laughs> yeah, he's just... Uh, yeah.
1: But stitches bad, won't come out. Bad swelling. So, yeah. No, I don't know. I, yeah, I think the Skull Knight—he's uh, gonna go after the God Hand. Whether he succeeds or fails, you know—I mean, I don't know—but at least that, that's his objective. That's what it's always been, and uh, that's what it's he, going to keep being. So,
2: well, you've—you've uh, you've satisfied me. I—I I would agree with that. So, Guts has to get through Zod to get to Femto, and Skull Knight will be trying yeah. to do something a little loftier. In the meanwhile, yeah, I
1: mean, Zod's so gonna be the guy on the bridge, you know, to the castle. He's mm-hmm. gonna be that guy, like, God is running on the bridge, and Zod so is like, oh, "You're gonna get through me," you know, and, and God's being, "I got no time for this." <laughs> yeah. So it's this, and there's not a save point after Zod on the bridge. That was super <laughs> annoying about it. Yeah, so that's exactly what kind of fight is going to be. I mean... We talked about Zod being a lonely
0: guy and kind of on the bias by himself a lot and his whole life was focused on becoming strong and having strength and I always wonder if he'll kind of look back and see that he wasted his life given what his opponents always had. His opponents always had something more. You know, for Guts... Something to
2: fight for. Yeah.
0: Guts had... Griffith's dream for a while. He fought for that for a while. And that kind of saved him from what would otherwise be a lonely life of, you know, pursuing strength. And then he had Casca, of course. You know, these things have rescued him or at least buoyed him up from plunging down into that depth. But, you know, Prasad, it seems like he never had anything like that. He just had his rivalries, his opponents to to keep him afloat.
1: He might have had it, but then he sacrificed it.
0: That's the thing. I have a blank part in my notes for what Zod's sacrifice would have been. I literally am clueless. It's
1: impossible to, because he could be anything. And everything. <laughs> it was, could it uh, have been his wife's sword, his, yeah. his Hattori
2: Hanzo sword. Jesus Christ! <laughs> 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 That's why he's always he can't find another one that satisfies him. That's why he's yeah. always switching. Yeah. Keeps breaking.
1: To get back to what you said about he's uh, like dying sword or whatever, I feel like. He might be satisfied, you know? He might be like, mm. I'm, I'm good. I had I had the life I wanted. I lived the life I wanted. I, I'm good. That
2: was one of my final questions. Does Zod want to die? Does he want to get killed in battle? I
1: think I think so. Yeah.
2: I, I think
0: he wants to die in a worthy battle. I mean, that makes total sense to me. A warrior's journey closure, that is the closure. You know, dying in battle to a worthy yeah. opponent.
1: I, yeah, I, I think he would be satisfied with that definitely it might not be what he's looking for like explicitly right and it might be but he might also not be but I feel like if he if he dies at Guts' end at the end you know I feel like he'll be satisfied
0: yeah yeah I agree can't really complain with that although uh, again I feel like he'll might feel somewhat cheated himself <laughs> given that Guts is a human
2: <laughs> no, well, you know, I mean. Like, oh, you use yeah. that armor, man. You're a cheater.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. You're not even a pure guy anymore. You know, I used to respect you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Guts is uh, guts is the best. That's it. And, and Zod is not the best. And that's what it's, it's going to be. Uh, that's it. I,
0: I did have a section on uh, future, but we kind of talked about future a lot, about what that, you know, bridge scene is going to look like <laughs> in uh, volume 65. But yeah, that's all I really had. I can't believe we wrapped it up that quickly.
1: Well, I mean, we've talked about Zod a lot of times before. I mean, that's true. We could like speak about individual scenes and stuff, but I feel like you know we, we've covered it.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll reiterate if anybody wants to hear us what the details on all of Zod's scenes, the, the rereads up to volume twenty twenty two, I think uh, they all go into those. So mm-hmm. seek those out if you want to hear more. But yeah, we did a good job summarizing the big high points of Zod. He's definitely, like Griff said at the start of the show, number two, favorite character, probably number three for me. Uh, you know, Guts, Skull Knight, Zod. That's, that's a, that easy, makes
2: easy sense. He's easy yeah. everyone's, like, top three. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yeah. easy.
1: Well, I don't know. He might be fourth for me. <laughs> i got to hear the list now. You can't you can't do that and not tell I us. I have uh, absolutely, uh, I don't have a list.
2: It was just because a, God, you just know an expression.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely, it's got to be Guts and Skull Knight. You know the first two. I don't know. I mean, I, I do like that, so I, I'll go with Zod in three of as well. Where's Shirke feeling that list? Uh, I'm over here biting. That's the-, the thing is, you know, I was so I was saying like, you know, what about Casca? I do like Casca. Yeah. You know? strangely enough, I'm not. I'm not that big of a fan of Griffiths. I mean, he's a great character, but. Then again, top like doing like character top top tens and whatever. That's well, such you're really stu-
2: you're really not going to like him when he kicks the crap out of Skull Knight, breaks all his bones. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> turns into a tin can. <laughs> He's gonna. We're gonna hear what sort of sound he makes when Griffith puts you know a wadded up piece of paper <laughs> in him. You know, at the end
0: of his <laughs> castle. <laughs> what's the sound effect going to be at the bottom of the page when it goes <laughs> scratches him up into uh, a tin can? <laughs> yeah, when he,
2: when he throws it, at, when he when he, his Skull Knight dustbin is, you know. <laughs> you know, you press the pedal, it opens the skull, He's you know, skull mask. The- <laughs> 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 uh, Art of War, where
1: are you in here? Come on, that's uh, perfect. You know, I do, yeah. I Actually, I do miss him. I hope we are with Skull Knight soon.
0: Oh, I'll say it again. I've said it since 2012. It makes sense. Now's the time yeah. for, for, for Sculling to appear. Yeah,
1: obviously. I mean, they're on the island and he's going to give them news. So, hey, guys, uh, about that uh, big wave. Well, I, I kind of fucked up. <laughs> so, you know, I thought I would use a parrot, which my enemies control against them. And it actually did not turn out the way I expected. They were,
2: they were, they were happy I about guess? it. <laughs>
1: That's
2: not good. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Turns out, uh, yeah, I can also control it uh, even after digesting it.
2: You know, my Skull Knight is the ultimate uh, <clears throat> bad guy theory, my very first post. It might come to pass. Not that he's doing it intentionally, but he could be responsible for everything <laughs> that goes wrong <laughs> from the beginning until now. <laughs> Those are
0: adorable threads whenever <laughs> I see them, is that Skull Knight's the secret bad guy.
2: <laughs> well, even he doesn't know. It's just like, so wait, man, you started this yeah. and you did the remaking of the world for them? Uh... Yeah, it's like maybe you should just retire, and that, that would be the worst thing you could do to him. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to turn this into a bash fest on Skull Knight. I love Skull Knight,
0: poor Scully. Yeah, he's such a good guy. It's just <laughs> who is the molder to his skull? Oh, Never my mind, God. just fuck it. We're, I'm not gonna go that route. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. We could probably talk about this bullshit forever, but we are on a time crunch. I'd be happy to join you guys again soon for episode 99 as we lead up to our 100th episode spectacular. Uh, we'll find something to talk about before then, though. For
2: Extravaganza. Sure.
0: And um, I guess I should have had a section at the front of the show about news, and that is there is no necessarily big news. I did want to briefly mention... <laughs> That There was a recent interview with the director, uh, Shin Itagaki, of uh, Berserk 2016-2017. It was on Anime News Network. And he was basically, basically, this is the guy that's responsible for the poor animation quality of that, you know, show. And he was passing the buck on, uh, saying, it's not my fault it sucks. It's not my fault. Uh, the industry doesn't pay us enough. Uh, they don't give us enough time to produce quality works. And so this is what you get for your money, basically
2: that's not good which is an answer that's that's
0: an answer for for why it is it, the might, way be it, is. Although it might be fair he also... might
2: be right but at the same it's just not it's just not a good thing when that's what you have to talk about with your with your yeah. show and your adaptation
1: uh, i was still expect him to come after that <laughs> <laughs> yeah where's your japanese sense of pride dude this is a terrible piece of work
0: uh, i'm not saying he should die I'm not encouraging his death. I am simply saying, it's a poor excuse for a poor series. Oh well. Honestly, I've always kind of forgotten about that series. It's just there's not a hell of a lot to talk about, and that is the piece of news. I guess the other piece of news is that uh, the Berserk Deluxe volume is coming out in a month or two. Oh I think yeah, it's March is supposed to come out. Mm-hmm. It uh, it looks like a Bible, it's which both, I guess, no, good that, and bad.
2: That's good for me, except the problem is, is that the insides much much like a Bible, also bad also not not good, so you know we'll see
0: dark horse of across various channels of their social media have posted pictures of the actual outside of the book. they have not opened the cover yet, so we can't tell what the paper cover paper quality is or anything
2: yeah, I mean I'd like to know like if it's i mean obviously it's this is my favorite series. We're doing the ninety nine, the 98th and going on 99th podcast for it, you know. So I'd like to be able to buy the deluxe edition because it's good, but we'll see. Well, I'll tell you, I have it pre ordered. It was down to twenty dollars at one point.
0: Ah, so I don't have, I don't have very high hopes. It's going to be exactly what I want. You know,
1: honestly. I mean, I, I'm the one who's been clamoring for a deluxe edition for like the last fifteen years. But the thing is, without a new translation. It's just pointless. I mean, it's good that they're doing, you know, it's bigger, better paper, better ink, you know, printing. And we stuff. don't know that it could be shit Presumably paper. Presumably, there's well, a point. I mean, Let's pre- let's presume, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, sure. Even so, like the translation is, uh, like, it's really important. You know, it's not just it's not an illustration book. Yeah. So and also you know,
2: the, the they mangled some of the artwork in those early volumes. There's at least one instance yeah. I know of. So I'd like that to be, you know, that that would be not mm-hmm. too difficult to fix for them to just redo that page, yeah. I don't think. And, but I don't know if they're going to do anything like that.
0: We will know these things very quickly. I, I already know for a fact that it is the same translation because the old translator that they used for volumes one through three is listed yeah. as the translator. And the hype for it. So that's yeah, our yeah The question is, will they rescan those problematic Maybe. pages? Probably they did not, uh,
2: something shady, like had someone retranslated uncredited. <laughs> it's like, but you know, it's like one of those things where, oh, this person's the director, but they actually got fired, but because of union rules, their name is still on it. You
1: know. <laughs> uh, I, I think they would. Um, I think they would say yeah. that it, that it was retranslated because. That, First off, that usually is the case for these deluxe projects. Well, they usually retranslate you, them. You know
2: more about uh, this business, I mean, a lot more. Uh, if they have someone who just comes in and did, like, touch-ups, would they have to note that and differentiate it from the original and the original person's work? Because obviously they not they don't necessarily want something attributed to them either. Uh, I mean, not necessarily. You know? Like if, if technically it's just you had, like, it's- a, a quote-unquote editor c- that came and changed stuff. Oh, I can answer that question. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. Go ahead, Azil. No, I was just going to say, like, uh, when people edit stuff, first they're as editors. But no, I mean, not everyone that works on it necessarily has to be credited. It depends on the publisher. If they want, they can credit you. If they don't want, they don't credit you. There's no, I mean, unless you, like, file a complaint. I don't know how it is in the U.S. because... Uh, well, this
0: is pretty simply like a contract job. The, the contractor was paid for, you know, a certain amount of work. And after that, he has no more say. After you know, he's done with his work. It can be edited to hell from here to the okay. end of the world. It doesn't matter. he's you no. Know, yeah. That is that that depends on the that's
2: terms our, of your contract. But most contract workers. That's our best case scenario right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know the thing to keep in mind is like uh, back in the day, uh, you know, Dacos, their editors used to come to Skulnights uh, net also to check out a translation against the ones they were getting from their guys and uh, and they would sometimes change the translations based on that and that's why uh, they've got some errors actually in their volumes because they just took some stuff uh, from the internet you know and did not check up and that's why you get stuff like uh, I forgot uh what they call uh, the off queen? What's the translation for it? So Hanafubu- King Hanafubuku. Ah, yeah. King Hanafubuku. Yeah. That's, oh, God. That's so stupid. That's, they that's, recently changed that yeah. to, in volume 38,
0: I think it was, 39. Oh, uh, I, I, I can't remember what they call it. A ruler? I think it's ruler of the flower storm. I'm pretty sure. Uh, that's that's, that's what not bad.
1: With. I mean, oh, ruler of the flower storm? That's, oh, that's, I'm that's, pretty sure that's, that's what it is. That's pretty stupid. Uh. I mean...
0: You have to you have to keep in mind. I keep three different variations of the translations in my head. You mm-hmm. know, our version, you know, Scanlation version, and Dark Horse's version. So I could be getting them fudge.
1: Yeah, I mean, ruler's not bad of a word, but it's just when you say ruler of the flower storm, it sounds like she's ruling the flower storm. The flower yeah, storm, which yeah, is yeah. which music. is. And yeah, she rules. I mean, yeah, that's, that's of just the
2: storming flower. <laughs> <It's> like, what?
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, Whatever. Um, It's definitely not news. So you can end the news section here. Cut. It's not news because it's not real. It's Walter's fanfic version of reality. And that is this coming week. We're going to find out, guys, if Berserk is back. (laughs) Uh, Because advance notice of the next issue, Young Animal, will be out next week. That is to say the 13th. We will know if Berserk is coming back. Why am I so hyped for the 22nd being the date? Because that is... 26 weeks since the last release, which is what he has done since 2015. You and your weeks. So, I mean, it all adds up. just It's, it's just math, guys. It's just
1: math.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the conspiracy board in your house with red lines pointing at well, everything. Yeah. Oh, you got to <laughs> see it. You know,
1: <laughs> I, I seem to remember that your favorite TV series ever is uh, Numbers. Lost? So I'm not surprised. Numbers? Yeah. Well, I mean, you and your weak numbers, right? So that's, that's your favorite uh-huh. thing, right? Mm-hmm. Numbers
0: actually is a real, a Thoroughly embarrassing show oh. I had some real, so real trouble with that numbers, show it's yeah. number
2: one, Sopranos 2 <laughs> then the that nice. be- <laughs> last two Sopranos
1: 3
0: <laughs> Why is Sopranos in there? I never even hmm. We may as well end the show at this point <laughs> But I, I could talk about Sopranos for a bit I started watching that again Oh,
1: Resident Evil 2 Resident Evil when do you talk about that, right? Yeah. Oh well we can. I'm not sure we need to, but
0: we can. <laughs> so I'll tell you where I'm at. I am uh I have the pieces that I need for the jail electrical box. That's where I'm at. I haven't
1: played much. Oh three you have got the two uh fuses yep, or the two whatever. little cube yeah. things uh-huh. to plug into there Oh bullshit that's good. It's good. You just need to get back there and you're up. Is that the end of the game? Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the end, yeah, it's uh just finished there. <laughs> There's no more?
0: I've actually been prepping for this podcast any free time I have for the past three or four nights, so uh, I didn't have no time to play. But I, I do really, really like it, and I've been reading the thread and keeping up with everything everyone has said, and I will say, I don't care that the original game is superior because I'm really enjoying... as
2: hey, so well, long you know, as you like... All my bitching is just leading up to me going, it's my favorite game of the year. I played for 100 hours, <laughs> so don't, <laughs> don't mind me. This is just my process. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: I mean... I'm probably going to get platinum on this game, which means I'll have wow. to play the game without using the item box. Oh,
2: my God, man. Jesus. Get the and, hell out of here.
1: Uh, yeah, and there's one where you have to beat it uh, while walking less than 14,000 steps, which is like on my first completion. What? I walked like uh, four times more, so it's just, yeah, it's just terrible
2: i can tell you uh, i won't be getting uh, uh platinum on this
1: game <laughs> it will be well I might, I might not i'm gonna try i think these these two probably i won't do it because i mean fuck that honestly and honestly even the s rank i mean it depends on the criteria I, I need to check out what the criteria are but it's probably gonna finish the game under three hours which is like uh, uh
0: not easy <laughs> we We have different ways of playing games obviously like i I mostly want to see everything and experience everything, and that to me that's like doing the fourth survivor mode uh wow. doing Claire's b mode or whatever mm. it happens to be, and then i'll I'll probably hang it yeah. up after that
1: yeah well i mean I, I mean uh the reason I play in hardcore is because like given the game and the way it was constructed, the original game, I feel like if you play in like a normal mod, it's just. I don't know. I, I I don't see the point. I already know the story, you know. So yeah. I'm not playing just to see like what sentence they've changed. So I'm doing this. I'll probably do my Claire, uh, Claire A, Leon B uh, run in uh, hardcore. And um, w- whenever I'm uh, feeling like it because uh, I'm on a break. And uh, after that, I'll finish, or maybe before that, I'll finish the uh, four survivor. I think they've got tough wins in the game as well. How do you uh, unlock uh, for
2: Survivor? Do you just do it by beating uh, an A and a B? Yeah. Yeah, you just have got
1: to beat an A and a B okay. so it's easy peasy. Not like in the original. I'm
2: I'm making so, it um, hard on myself cuz I'm jumping around to like a Claire hardcore oh, A yeah. and a Claire standard B, you <laughs> know, and I'm just like I'm thinking like what I can't I can't decide so I'm just messing around with both.
1: Yeah, well I mean, you know, why not? I it's mean, actually honestly. a nice break so anyway, to like,
2: you know, uh, the tension of being hunted by all these monsters in hardcore and like i'm just gonna go to standard for a while
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i bet yeah so it's funny because you were saying you had like six ribbons left and uh almost no herbs and you should see my clear b run man i had so i used like i think i used two herbs <laughs> your, like the, like, the whole 13
2: game ink ribbons you know <laughs>
1: yeah and when i finished i had like something like 16 increments left which was just just stupid but I still got rank C you know because I think the ranks this time they're they're mainly based on the time you take to complete the game and so like in a B scenario I think you have to complete the game in under like 4 hours to get rank B and uh, under 3 hours to get rank A and under 2 hours to get rank S I think that's the thing so yeah (sighs) I mean
0: that's I would I would rate myself like perfectly average at video games. Like I'm not a stellar, but I'm, I am I can play pretty much anything through without much of trouble. Uh, I don't think, and this game wasn't hard to me until maybe, I don't know, around now when the resources actually got pretty thin. But for most of the game, for most of my game, I had excess of everything. And I'm not, a, I'm not a pro player. I was just, I was running when I could. I wasn't trying to take out every zombie, which is obvious. There's no reason to do that, right? I wasn't using healing items much because I was mostly running around things. So I ended up with a ton yeah. of healing items and a ton of extra bullets. And eventually, they throw four dogs at you in one room. And like, well, okay, there goes two full clips by necessity, you know, so...
1: Well, you anyway. know, dogs. I think they take like uh, four shots, three hits. Yeah, yeah, three, four. Yeah. So, well,
2: as also has all yeah. the strategy down, where it's like he uses the appropriate, you know, secondary item in the in the appropriate yeah. room, and then he executes the dogs while they're on the ground. <laughs> so basically, he's got the flash yeah.
1: grenade. What? Well- uh, you, do you think I'm going to waste a flash grenade on a room of dogs? You're crazy, man. <laughs> no, I, uh, I I leave the door open and I shoot them from the door. And when they get too close, I, I let the door close mm. itself because dogs can't uh, go from room to room. Because
2: dogs can't open doors, mm. even in Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Neither can liquors, by the way, which is uh, good mm. to know. But you know what know.
2: doesn't help you with liquors is when you're trying to sneak past one and Mr. X is like coming through at the same time oh, as yeah. like son of a bitch <laughs> this has
1: this has happened to me as well yeah. this fucker <laughs> I you- know it's supposed to be
0: intimidating I just think he's too cool to be scared of him it's just like so t- t- uh,
1: cool you know I'll, effect, I'll, I'll tell you the same. because you're playing in normal you got like auto saves you can save as much as you want but when you're yeah. like when you save with increments you know, sometimes you're like, you've been playing for 25 minutes. You got, mm-hmm. you did not get hit. You did not waste ammo, which means you, you know, executed perfectly. The enemies, whatever. Then he comes in, you run, oh, the liquors get you, you die, or you get like, you're in danger. You got to use three herbs. And then you're like, you know, oh my fuck God. this.
2: No, I had so.
1: That just sounds I, painful. I get what you're saying. It just it, sounds painful. It is, is no, it's, so, it's
2: horrible. Th- Last night, I was going to. I was running. He, he attacked me while the liquor was. Uh, there was a liquor basically on the way to the dark room, safe room. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's coming. I hear the door open. And he's coming right at me. So I run. I run. I avoid the first attack from the liquor. I get through the door, and it sliced me, like, through the door. And oh, it put me in danger what? and I was just like oh, so fuck. And, and I mean it didn't kill me, but it was like, well there goes another, you know, healing item. That's terrible. And, and oh, I yeah. literally was like I felt like ah, I like winced, like, you know, god damn it. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. I mean that's that's and the thing is that these games that's how these games were like like that's what survival survivor horror is. If you play with yeah. like you know, Odysseys and stuff, I mean it's still a fun game but like the uh, like well, no challenge it, i it, mean i think know? the way
2: to compare it like for this the style of gameplay is it's sort of like if it's that uh like the resident evil 4 fun experience versus something like uh you know like the souls games where you're kind of like looking for a more intense <laughs> you got to be careful you know with every encounter yeah. kind of challenge that's that's what yeah. it kind of adds Yeah,
1: yeah. Like I mean, you know, these games basically the essence of them is uh, you gotta be very deliberate. You know, your progress. You gotta be very careful, step by step. You know,
0: Azil, do you remember uh, we were talking the other day? And you were, I think you were starting Bloodborne, and you noticed the uh, the Cleric Beast achievement. It has like four percent achievement rate (laughs) across all PlayStation (laughs) players.
1: No, no, it's got more than that. But it's got like forty, forty-four. Oh, I thought it was much lower. No, than no, that. no. It's, so, but still,
0: it's but yeah, still a really depressing means number, like, which means it,
1: yeah, it's like less sixty percent
0: of the players that played that game did not beat the first boss, which is within the first like twenty minutes of the game, yeah. basically.
1: And and when you so, when you get to like the, the like the third boss, it's just twenty percent, you know, or 12 percent. So, of course, the, the reason I bring that up out of the blue is
0: because. To me, that informs how games are developed now, and that's why they give you so many options for this game. Is they know that most players are never going to play fucking A and B of Claire yeah. and yeah. and Leon, and that's also to me why they did the Mister X thing, why they add Mister X to Leon A, just so the people that aren't playing the game fully they're can get that their experience. Best foot forward there. Yeah, they're like trying yeah. to. And they I don't want to. Yeah.
1: Well, Do you remember, um, I agree, but the-, the G monster to me is better than, you know, Mr. X. That's why he should be in the A scenario because, I mean, G is the star of the game. Mm. I don't even know who G is. Well, it's, but- uh, it's Birkin, William Birkin. you know oh, so, got it. The guy, with the, the guy with the eyeball. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, the original yeah. game, it's, uh, it's like, it's just way better like the construction of the story is way better i mean if you if you saw uh, if you watched it on youtube you would uh, you would agree but it, it doesn't matter no, I, the thing is, I played Resident Evil two. Like, yeah, that's true. 19,
0: Nineteen years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it just it's been a long time. Yeah,
1: because you didn't play ten times in a row like me. You <laughs> don't remember that so well. A <laughs> so I didn't you said l- you
2: played the game, but did you do Claire A, Leon B, and Leon A, Claire nope. B, nope. and do all the zapping opportunities <laughs> to change the game for each one? I did not. You gotta, and you oh got to replay God. all those each way, so that's another twelve different ways to play the game. <laughs> so much fun. But the thing is like I don't I don't
0: I don't even like roll my eyes at that because that, you know, back in the right. day that if, sounds fun it's just like if you're that of a
2: little that of a little that of a little to of go at it of versus of go at it with <clears throat> versus little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little of talking about what of said like yeah of kind of just wanted to put all the best stuff a little default campaigns because we know people a little you know a a little trying for most players to do all this a, B stuff. Like mm-hmm. for both of them, especially. Yeah, I mean, it,
1: again, if you look at like the achievements uh, on the PS network, um, I don't know. I think like just half of players finish like one scenario. Yeah, and uh, no, I, I, I believe that. I'm surprised it's that high. Yeah, I mean, it's, it might be even be less, but uh, I forgot. It's just some achievements. It's like zero point, you know, two percent or something like that. So I must nobody does it, you know. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, I, I mean, I got the uh, I got the hats it, off achievement last night, so I'm happy about that.
0: <laughs> nice. I got that the other day. Was, I I had been avoiding him for so long, and I figured I may as well just try with a shotgun and oh, I got an achievement for actually it attempting actually to take him just it down. It was
2: actually a total non-serious situation. It was my hardcore game. I had just saved, and he was still stomping around out there, so I just opened the door to the safe room and just started submachine gunning him. Out of frustration because I knew I wasn't gonna keep playing, <laughs> so it was like, alright, let's unload. Yeah. I often do I often do
1: that, you know. <laughs> when you know you're like, okay, fuck this, and you just I'll go to the room of flickers, and I'll just, you know, blast them Now, out. I
2: got a question for you, because you mentioned how you never uh you you know, you save all those ink ribbons and everything. On your playthrough, how did you reload mm-hmm. often though when you would make a mistake? Oh yeah. Every time. Okay. <laughs> because I was going to say that's the that's the exploit in the, the hardcore because obviously there's no like auto saving, but you can load as much as you want. So yeah, I mean
1: even with auto save, I think you can uh, reload as much as you want. But the thing is, so I, because you mentioned uh, rank S plus the other way the other day, I went and checked because you know um, like back in the day for Resident Evil Two the original game, I, I don't remember what the conditions to get S-Trunk were and I think at the time I just did not know what they were so I finished the game without saving like I did whole playthroughs where I did not save I did not use healing items unless I was like really needed to so i you know I got an anecdote my brother tried to do the same because you know he was my little brother so we were playing together and he twice died on Leon A at the last boss doing that? and let me tell you yeah, let me tell you that was painful. So he just he had not saved the whole game. He went to the last bus and he died. <laughs> so that's that's just you know I mean that stays with you right. And I, and I did that like something like four times or whatever. Jesus. And and so and I saw so yeah. So I, after you mentioned S plus, I went and I tried to check on some like I don't know game facts or whatever. And people were saying that to get S plus, you need to finish the game in like so. Less than three hours or two hours and a half, and you need to save three times at maximum, no more, and uh, like not use more than you know some herbs or whatever. So yeah, it's gonna be the same kind of deal. It's like if you want to get it, you gotta get like you play one hour, you save at a strategic point, then you replay that until you can save at the next point. It's very. Yeah, you basically that can be very tense. You basically
2: have to save right before it's some uncon some the most chaotic kind of boss fight moment yeah you know
1: yeah I mean I mean just for example and like there's some situations that are very like even in my save so the last uh, the one I did with uh, Claire b I think I have twelve saves uh total and um and yeah like there's some moments I was like okay you know I went the farther I could and i I knew was gonna get you know hairy i was like okay i'm saving now you know this is a place and usually like for that playthrough i was pretty happy because usually right after i got killed so I was like
2: okay yeah good
1: because <laughs> yeah so the so worst is when you play like 40 minutes well, and you and you well, just is, you know I, get killed i never
2: intend to keep playing it's like okay i wasted some ammo i'll probably reload and then i play another 20 minutes and i'm like shit well now i'm just gonna play this till i get to a point where i'm comfortable saving again yeah. you know i yeah. get to a, yeah. I've done that before, it's too. Like, yeah. You know, because it's like, – what's more valuable? Those bullets are your time, ultimately. It's like I'll probably be yeah. able to get through by finding more bullets. And, and it's kind of fun, too. Like, you know, sometimes I'll waste bullets on, you know, when I shouldn't. But I think, well, if I was – you know, it's the continuity of just playing it like an experience. <laughs> like, okay, I fucked yeah. up and now I got to make do with uh, what I did, you know, so.
0: Yeah, well – even though I have unlimited saves in the normal mode, like I am still mentally counting the saves against me because I know at the end I'm going <laughs> to have to report to the zeal how many saves I made. <laughs> oh, and and I that's admitted, my personal I, did, I think ribbon. I did
2: like 72. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, I sent you the, the picture, as, and I got the C uh, ranking. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You did. Yeah. You did.
1: But I did not remember 72 save. The, wow.
2: That was the joke. Because I was like, oh, we got the same yeah, ranking. I, oh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw you I saw, oh, oh, got C, and uh, I think I checked it on my phone. I was doing something else. So, okay, I, I'm actually checking it yeah. now because I'm just <laughs> – I'm at like 25 right now, I think, and I, you know, I still have a well, good portion. I was
2: telling Az, I was just joking to him like, oh, I will. I'll change my inventory loadout like one thing, and I'll just save again because <laughs> it's like I don't want to do it again, so –
1: well, the thing is yeah, you know yeah. like if you wanna get like uh for example for the s rank uh if the s rank is not tied to the amount of save uh you can save as much as you want, so you know if you're like playing in standard why not yeah. i mean why not get like two hundred saves i would j ju- yeah no no it's
0: it's just it's just a big yeah. number that's all that's all all right cool uh I like the game. Uh, whenever it was snowy outside recently, I had my big snow boots on. I was walking around like Mister X. It was pretty cool. <laughs> pretty, it looked look pretty cool out there.
1: Did you have? <laughs> did you have like your your hat on? <laughs> I had a hat on. And, I did not
0: have a fedora <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah, a, a trench coat and a... no. So I not have my restraining leathers on. Did did you, when you I was play? Outside. Did
1: you ever play Resident Evil Three, Walter? <laughs> Nope, never. It uh, looked really bad at the time. No, it was it was actually awesome. You should uh, when the remake comes out, you you're definitely gonna play.
0: I like the idea of that. Just like I like the original idea of Dark Souls, where the Black Knights are supposed to chase you around from zone to zone, mm-hmm. which they never did. But I like the idea of that. That sounds cool yeah, to me.
2: It is uh, yeah, it's really good. And I mean, it's interesting because the way they're kind of stepping on Nemesis already with this one makes me wonder how they would remake that one. Because they pretty much turned Mr. Mm, X full-on yeah. into Nemesis in this one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, yeah, that's one of the things that bothered me is that, like, it kind of spoils the Nemesis thing. Because uh, Nemesis, his big thing is that he could, you know, follow you room to room. He could, you know, like, he could use weapons and stuff. So, they've already, like, <clears throat> done this. So, I wonder how they're going I- to remake it. I think these days you can't
0: save your best ideas for later. Like you gotta just put everything in as best Oops. way best foot forward. Yeah. Or no one's gonna pay attention. <laughs>
2: well yeah, if they nemesis have to make him even more somehow, you know, they gotta take him to another level.
0: Yeah, what was what was what was that Silicon Knights game about Vikings? Remember that? Vikings? Like, Two Human. Do you remember, do you remember oh, Two Human yeah. back in the early 2000s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that game, Silicon Knights made that, and there was supposed to be a trilogy, and they saved all their best ideas for games two and three. If you ask the main designer, Dennis Dyack, who's your favorite class in the game? I can't even tell you about it. It's not until game three. Well, the game sold so poorly that they never got to make games yeah. two and three. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that's a good like parable for like... You got to put all your best ideas in there, and say maybe save a little bit, but otherwise, no one's going to pay attention. Yeah, maybe yeah. if you
2: have some well, undercooked I'm, idea that's going to take a lot of development, that's the one you save for for next time. You mm-hmm. know, but uh, yeah, I think yeah. overall, I'm I'm really enjoying it too. I think it does grab you. I mean, I'm I'm a bad uh, fan from the point of view that it's like I'm going to compare every little detail to my Resident Evil Two experience, and it's it's not going to be the same. But uh, I'm I'm absorbed in it and enjoying. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I did buy the deluxe edition and uh, I spent oh my God. quite some time playing oh, it. The, so. uh,
2: I'm i switched to the classic costumes on your recommendation. That with the the retro yeah. sound effects, although they are missing the zombie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like
1: that. I'm actually I'm actually
2: doing the zombie sounds myself in front <laughs> yeah. of the TV. You well, know? They, yeah, they try to make them too scary and they miss the the human voice. They go like ah, you know, and it's like no, they need to be like. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> it used to sound like some <laughs> gross guy that you're just like oh get the hell away from me <laughs> yeah <Burping>. really <laughs> or it's just like yeah these were humans and humans are just horrible in their own way they shouldn't sound like beasts
0: <laughs>
2: we're running out of time but
0: I feel like I wanted to say like I even though I only played Resident Evil 2 like in 2000 or something like that it has always been my favorite Resident yeah. Evil just because something about the pa- the pacing of the game and the setting it just seems more bombastic and resident evil one just personally to me always seemed really boring uh just nah. the, 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 it's the nah. setting it's something about me maybe, maybe it was the voice acting was, i couldn't accept the voice
1: acting is exceptional. is cheesy i know yeah. i know well, of course what it, it is cheesy, but at some it point, was a lot of okay.
2: big empty rooms and just footsteps of you walking around that's, you know that,
1: that's true You're totally right Mm-mm, it's true <laughs>
0: Anyway, something about Resident Evil Two was always stuck in my head. as like my favorite. I really enjoyed my experience of it. So this is to me is just like some kind of ultimate realized version of that, and it looks yeah. fucking gorgeous. So um, I do want to go back and play the RE One remake because I never did play their remake of it, which oh, I heard yeah. was great. Uh, I will play that after this for sure. Anyway, that's that's all. Uh, I just wanted to say I'm enjoying the game. Cool.
1: Well, same here. And me.
0: Cool. All right, guys, as I said before, I would love to record another podcast sometime in the near future before we hit our big one oh oh. So maybe in the next month you'll hear from us and hopefully you'll hear from us in the next two or three weeks if the 358 uh, arrives uh, before then. Anyway, thanks a lot, guys. See ya.
2: Bye. Along.
0: The Skullcast is a production of Skullknight.net, a Berserk fan community. If you like what you heard, please visit patreon.com sknet. Donations there do not go towards the podcast, but instead toward our resident translator, Puella, who ensures that our members have access to high-quality, text-based translations of Berserk. Huela has also been translating interviews with Berserk's creator, Kentaro Miura. Many of these interviews have never been translated into English, so it's very exciting to read those. That kind of work simply wouldn't have happened without support from our donors. If you'd like to chip in a buck or two, please know that it all helps. Once again, that's patreon.com sknet. If you have a question or want to comment on the podcast, visit our forum, skullnet.net forum. Near the top, you'll see a section devoted to the podcast. There's always an active thread in there, so go ahead, leave a post, and someone's sure to respond quickly. Thanks for listening!